Uh, want to let you know this is the last week for you to pick up your Seek book. Uh, we wrote these books and uh, we give them away every January. And uh, the reason we do that is because in January we have a series called Seek. And what we believe is what you do with the first, God blesses the, the rest. God says in his word that if the root is holy, everything that essentially grows from that root is blessed. And so at the beginning of the year, as we devote ourselves to putting God first in our life, like the scripture says, seek first the kingdom and God and his righteousness and everything else essentially will be taken care of. It'll be added unto you. And so we wrote these books. There's two different covers uh, that are the same book just for artwork reasons. They look different, but encourage you today's the last Sunday to pick one up. And it's a goals book. It has six different topics in it. Uh, and it covers anything from health to your career to your family. And what we've said is let's commit ourselves to uh, praying and asking God what, what he would have us do this year, putting him first in a way uh, that, that, that his blessings follow uh, as we write goals. So pick these up. If you know somebody who would benefit from one of these, you can take one. Uh, they're free to you. Of course, we don't make any money. It's just what we believe in uh, as setting goals and putting God first and, uh, and seeing that victory come from that. Amen? Amen. There's a couple things we say about it. Uh, we get a lot of the idea from Psalm 90, verse 12. It says, teach us, which to be taught in something means you need to be trained in it. You need to learn it. It needs to be something that gets groomed in your life. So teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. Like there's a plan for your life. There's a plan in what we should do with our days. And God has that. And so he's saying, hey, seek me in that. Come to me on that, and I'll show you the way that you should spend your days. And one of the ways that we do that successfully is by writing goals, is by putting God first and making plans. Uh, we said this, that our, my mentor says, if you aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. But the problem with that is your result is you have nothing. Hey, like, I got no goals. I got no plans. And at the end of the year, you end up with nothing uh, because you didn't plan. So like, let, let's hit it. The largest gap in the world is between what we know to do and what we actually do. Like, oh, I know I should do this better and that better and this better. Uh, but the largest gap is between knowing it and doing it. And a book like this and putting God first helps us make a, make a plan to shrink that gap. Uh, we said in 1 Corinthians 9.26, So I do not run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who is hitting something, not just the air. And uh, many of us are so distracted in life, we're so distracted with everything that we're like that boxer just swinging at the air. Just swing in, swing in. And you know, it's saying, hey, get intentional. Be specific about what you aim at and hit it with great success. Amen? That's why Habakkuk 2.2 says, write the vision and make it plain on tablet that he, who, that he may run who reads it. So the Super Bowl is next Sunday, and they're going to have a game plan. They're going to have a playbook. They're going to have a strategy about how they want to see success. And so the way it's going to work for them is they're going to get into the game. They're going to get into the action of it all. And then they're going to come running back. They're going to huddle up and they're going to look at the game plan. And they're going to say, hey, this is what we determined is going to help lead us in success. Let's stick to this thing. And that's what that scripture is saying. Have a plan. That way you can refer back to what God spoke to you to do and you go out and do it. Amen. Yeah. And so just kind of wrapping up today, I want to give you some scriptures about seeking God and why it's important to put him first. We're in a series called Seek, and, uh, and I just want to kind of wrap up this series. And so if you're a note taker, which I encourage everybody to be, um, just today is a very note-driven, just a lot of scripture, write it all down. And I believe it's one of those things you can look back at these scriptures and go, oh yeah, God, that's good. That's going to help me. That's going to remind me. So bust out a phone, bust out a pen or paper, whatever's going to help you take notes, uh, and then just get this into your life. So Psalm chapter 63, verse 1, if I had to give this sermon a uh, a title, it would be like the necessity or how necessary it is 
to seek God. Uh, we really don't get a choice. Like, I'm not actually feathering out an idea to you. Hey, as a Christian, why, why don't you try seeking God? It, we're, it's, in the, it's what we build this thing on, is being a people who pursue God. We actually made it kind of soft in the way that we say, I'm a Christ follower, like I follow God. Uh, but really, even follow is seek. It's an active pursuit. You're somebody who strives to be someone who lives like and follows Jesus. Amen? And so seeking, it, it's necessary. It's part of who we are. So Psalm 63.1 says, I'll say it to you like this before I read this. This scripture right here, when we read it, it almost, it almost comes off too churchy, too Old Testament, too scripture in a sense that it's like something you would like read on a card at a funeral home, or it's just all these big church words. But I want you to think of it like this. Somebody actually wrote this. Somebody sat down at one time and said, hey, this is my heart. These are my feelings. This is where I'm at in my life. So imagine it like almost coming off as a text message, like, hey, this is my day. And I'm not going to take away, obviously, from Scripture, but, but think of it in a way of somebody just really pouring out who they are and, and how they experience God. And think of it more like that. So it's saying this. It says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. So the Scripture here is actually talking about the, the culture that he's living in. It's saying like, hey, in this land that I live in, it just feels dry and parched. How many of you can relate? Just live in this world where it's like, it seems like everything is just dry and parched and going nowhere. He's saying like, God, you are my God. I earnestly seek you because my whole being is longing for you because all this other stuff isn't working. Amen. And it says, I have seen you in this sanctuary and beheld the power and your glory. Meaning I've, I've experienced God. I've experienced your greatness and your fullness and your wholeness. I've experienced it. And so he's saying, like, I have this knowing in me of who you are uh, because, and then he goes on to say, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. So he's saying, you are my God. You're, you're, you're my number one. You're, you're everything. And because I've seen your glory and experienced it, I won't stop talking about it. I, 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 I can't say anything other than how great you are in my life. Amen. But the couple things in here are this. The first thing is he's a person who seeks God. Amen. He's a person who seeks God. And then because of that lifestyle, it causes him to be somebody who glorifies God. Here's the translation of seek that I think we should all keep in the back of our minds. And it's this. It's seeking. The definition is to try to acquire or gain. To live your life in a way that you're trying to acquire or gain God. I love this version. It says to aim at. I wonder how many of us wake up in the morning and we say, okay, today as I'm up and I'm going to go do this thing today, I'm making sure my day is aiming at God. I want all of God. So to seek God first means that I'm aiming at God first above all else. I thought about it like this. It says to ask for. So to seek God is to ask. Is my microphone being funny? Is it weird? Do you guys sound hollow to me? Should I switch? You're good? Okay, sorry. Maybe it's bouncing off of here on me. I don't know why we put a drummer in a cage, right? This is, a, this is like, this is the year two, what, what are we, 2018? Why are we putting drummers in cages? We got to let them rock. <laughs> and I'd be like, if you don't like it, sit in the back row. But the back row is only like four rows away from the drummer. So I can't actually say that. So let's get rid of this cage. Amen? Amen. Let's vote. Let's have a church vote. No, I'm just kidding. Set the drummer free. 
All right, so to ask for, I wonder if we wake up in a way, one of the definitions of seek is to be somebody who asks for. I wonder if we get up and we're asking for God. Imagine that, you get up and you say, God, today I'm asking for you. I'm asking you to be, to be all of me, to all of my thinking, to all of my ways, to all of, I'm asking for you. Uh, another one is to request, I love this one, is the attempt to discover. What if we woke up with, hey, today my strategy is everything I'm gonna do is gonna be an attempt to discover God. I'm going to attempt to discover him at my workplace, in my family place, in my finances. Every decision I make, I'm going to make sure it's in this pursuit of attempting to discover God in all of it. I wonder if we come into this place, if we come into this place and the song starts playing, are we just spectating? Are we attempting to discover what God wants to do in that song? You look over and you say, oh, how's that person so into it? Or how's that person catching it? How is that? I wonder if just maybe they came into the place attempting to discover what God wants to do in it instead of just spectating and getting through the motions. That's how we live in a way that we seek God first. Amen. Uh, It says that we earnestly seek him, which is characterized by proceeding or advancing from an intense or serious state of mind. So meaning your steps in the way when you earnestly seek something, it's somebody who proceeds from an intense and serious state of mind. So you don't get distracted. You don't get up in the morning and go, oh, is the weather good? Is it not good? Should we go to church? Should we not go to church? No, you have an intense and a serious state of mind that has you in a pursuit to discover God that day, every day. Amen? So I hope it's said about us that we even come into places like this and we engage our community in ways that we have have an intense, resolute set out to encounter God. I thought about it like this. A lot of people will say, uh, they'll meet somebody, they'll get to know somebody and say, oh, I wish I had a relationship with God like that person, or I wish God moved in my life like that person. And then you say, well, maybe uh, it was because they were raised in church, or maybe their parents raised them what that way to have that kind of relationship with God, or, or maybe it was given to them. Maybe they got into the right atmosphere, and they got into the right situation, and so then they could have that kind of relationship. But the truth is about any relationship with God that has victory or has success, the truth about it is the only reason it has that kind of success is because they sought after it. It's a person I could show you, anybody who's doing great things in God and has great wisdoms and great revelations of the things of God, I promise you they have a habit and a pattern in their life of seeking God first. You don't stumble into a great relationship with God. You can't just get around it and hope it becomes a part of what you're doing. It's something you have to put in place. A great relationship with God is something you put into place. And what I love is God is a God who wants to be in that place in your life. Many times we come into a church or, you know, a religious place and and you think this God is this hard God to chase down and have a relationship with. No, the whole Bible is a story of God saying he wants to be with you. Amen. He wants to be in that place with you. We just have to seek him. Uh, I use this analogy all the time, but the truth about it is proof, the proof that you want to seek God, the proof that you want a relationship with God is in your pursuit. I could say, hey, I want to play the keyboard. This year, I'm going to be a keyboard player. My goal is to play the keyboard. I want to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, Gerald makes it look so good, and I want to look as good as him, and so I'm going to do that. And, and, but if a month goes by and you say, hey, I know you said you wanted to be somebody who plays the keyboard. Uh, How's it going? Well, uh, have you got a keyboard yet? No, I didn't get a keyboard yet. Oh, you're taking lessons, somebody else? Well, I'm not taking lessons yet either. Am I really desiring to be a keyboard player? No. 
No, because why? Because I haven't pursued it. I haven't put the necessary things in place in my life for me to be a keyboard player. It's the same thing we do in church all the time. Oh, I want God to move. I want to be a man of God, a woman of God. I want to be a thing. Okay, so what are some of the things you put in place in your life to be that? Where's the proof in the pursuit? Amen? Amen. So the scripture talks about how he sought God daily and fervently. We, you go after it. It's something you seek. Uh, you can't play it. It's not something you start and stop. It's got to be this desire. I have a three-year-old, uh, almost three-year-old. He's three in April, and he's a boy, Charlie. So he's at all that intensity, I think, just gives him steroids for breakfast and, you know, whatever. And so he's all, he's just all muscle and man and intense. And so he does this really particular thing. Uh, he started a couple days ago. He says, Daddy, you want to play cars? And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. It sounds really cool. I just lay on the floor and drive a car around, right? That sounds pretty easy. When he says play cars, he means we're both cars and we run. We race each other on our feet. So our basement is like this square room. It's got a couple couches and our TV on the wall, but it's got this open space. He's very particular about how we play cars, so much so that on the TV, we put the Cars 3 soundtrack. And I'm going to tell you way more information than you need to know, but I have to do it. So Cars 3 specifically, and what he does, because when he gets in the game, track with me here, when he gets in the game, he's all the way in the game. He's not playing around. We're doing this thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he puts Cars, we put Cars 3 on the TV, and then what we do as each song is a different scene in the movie, we change our characters. So there's a lot that has to happen in this. <laughs> so when it's one song, he may be Jackson Storm, I may be Lightning McQueen, but when the song changes to the scene that is Thunder Hollow, where there's like this demolition derby, then he's somebody, and I'm Miss Fritter. Is it Fritter? Critter? <laughs> he says it wrong, and I... It's one of those things like when your kid says something wrong, then you start saying it. And you're at the store and you're like pronouncing things wrong because your kids say it. So he's, he's very into this and he's very paying attention. And uh, those of you that share my Apple Watch data, you'll know this actually happened yesterday. We ran in a circle in my basement for a mile yesterday. <laughs> my watch was like, bing, one mile. And I was like, what? <laughs> in a circle. And then you'd have to like go the other way so you wouldn't throw up. And I'm just being honest, like as a dad, I needed to get out of this. I was considering like if I bumped him kind of hard and he hit the wall, he might get hurt and not want to play anymore. We don't have to do this game anymore. Just, that's a lie. I'm lying about that. <laughs> Andy's calling me out. No, that's not a lie. So, so, we're, so we're playing this thing, but here's what I really heard God speak as I knew this message. What he would do, and all of you parents do this, so don't judge me. When you're playing these games, you do things to like kind of get out of it a little bit. I know you all do, so don't judge me. <laughs> so we'd be playing this stuff, and we'd be doing this thing, and the songs are changing, and we're changing characters, and we're running. Uh, but there'd be a time I would check my phone, or I'd look at my watch and be like, is my heart right? Am I having a heart attack? You know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm paying attention. And, and so what would happen is, as I would check out, he would say this to me. So like, I wrote this down in a way, because it speaks. He would say, come on, Daddy, race with me. He would say, you're not doing it. Come on, Daddy, race with me. You're not doing it. And I heard God speak. Like, I wonder if the world says that about our churches. Come on, church, I need you. You're not doing it. You, you, you're telling us you're seeking. You're telling us that you love us. You're telling us that you have compassion. But I see you checking out on Monday. I see you go to church on Sunday. I see you go to study on Wednesday. But I also see how you live on Friday and Saturday. 
Come on, do, do this the real way. If you're really going to be in the game, let's be in the game. And I just wonder if the world is looking up at us and saying, you're supposed to be my leader. You're supposed to be my true. You're supposed to. And, and I see you checking out on me. Come on, daddy, let's do this. Race with me. I thought we were. And I wonder if the world says that about the body of Christ. Stop faking it. Let's, let's really be the example. Amen? Amen. Let's be a people who don't check out. And we put him first and we serve others above ourselves. And we make a commitment to the house of God. Let's really be in this thing. Amen? Because the world is counting on us. Psalm chapter 9, verse 10 says this. It's a great, great idea of seeking God. It says this. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Uh, it's really said like this, just like we know characteristics. So I know Vandenbergs and I know the Pharisees and I would say this about their life. I would say, oh yeah, I, I know in their name. I know what they're about and I know what they're about. So I have this trust in their name. I know what they're about. about. And so that's what the scripture is saying. Those who trust in your name, we know what you're about. We have this trust. We know what you're about. We know who you are, God. And because of that, we also know that you don't forsake those who seek you. So when I'm living in a lifestyle of seeking God and putting God first, even though it doesn't seem like it's coming together, because I know and I trust his name, I know that he's not going to forsake me in this. Amen. To be forsaken means to be turned away from. In the middle of the mess and the worst of it all, because we know him and we trust his name, we know that he's a God who won't turn away from us. The problem that we do is we often do this. We get in a situation and a circumstance and we go, God, why have you forsaken me? You've left me. You've turned away from me. But really, a lot of times what happens is us saying we're forsaken is us many times just saying, God, I'm not getting my way. God, you're forsaking me. God, you're for I really want to get my way in this situation. I want to get my way. But people that know and trust God say, God, I know and I trust you and your ways. And I know that you won't forsake me and turn away from me. I know that you see it better than I see it. And I trust in you. So we love to write a seek book. That's like, these are my goals and God's going to give me the victory. And God's gonna... But what happens in this year when you wrote a goals book and all of a sudden it all hits the fan and all you can do is stand and trust God. Do you have enough dependency and confidence in him to say, God, I know and trust your name and I know you won't forsake me in this. Do we have that kind of trust? Amen. Amen. I thought about it like this. Psalm chapter 10, verse four, it says in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him in his pride. The wicked man does not seek him in all his thoughts. There is no room for God. So think about this. The wicked person doesn't seek God. So when we live a Christian lifestyle that says, you know what? I'm okay not seeking God in this area of my life. I'm okay not putting him first. Do you know that you're equated to a wicked person? We think wicked person is the murderer, the thief, the stealer. But this scripture says the person is in his pride and who doesn't seek God, that's wickedness. You could say it like this. Wickedness is somebody who doesn't take the time to read the Bible. Think about that in our life. Wickedness is somebody who doesn't seek him. Wickedness is somebody who doesn't take the time to pray. Wickedness is somebody who doesn't engage in worship. Wickedness is somebody who doesn't walk in the ways of seeking God. Isn't that interesting? I didn't mean to give that to second service. That was for first service people. But, <laughs> but this says this, in all his thoughts, there was no room for God. You know what that means? That means I can figure it all out on my own. It's really pointing to somebody who doesn't seek God. 
Somebody who says, hey, this situation came into my life. And instead of seeking God first about it, says, hey, I got no room in my thinking for God. I'm going to just handle this all on my own. I'm smart enough. I'm talented enough. I can make this happen. I don't need to go to God about this. I don't need to seek God about this. In my own ways, in my own thoughts, I only have room for me. Amen? And the scripture calls that wickedness. And the thing is, the reason why it's really important for us to be people who seek God first and who put God first is because God wired you and made you to be a person who pursues God. Uh, The scripture talks about it here, Psalm 27, verse 8. It says, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. That void in your heart that you're trying to fill with shopping, that void in your heart you're trying to fill with the next new thing, the next new neighborhood, the next school, the next, all of those voids of how you want the next job, the promotion, the next, and and you just can't seem to satisfy. It's because that's a void in your heart that longs to seek God's face, to put God first in your life. Amen. Your heart wants to seek God. You were created to be that way. Uh, I thought about it like this in Psalm 34, verse 10. It says, the lions may grow weak and hungry. They've been that way a while in Detroit. Amen. Amen. It says, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Many of us in our lives, we're in that situation where, where you just continue to see God and you don't know how it all came together and you don't know how it's all going to work out, but you can look back and go, because I sought God, I lack no good thing. All my needs are met. Amen? And so we got to keep this perspective of as you seek God, he's going to be the one to meet your needs. Jeremiah 29, 11, we all preach this one. We all love this one. This makes a bumper sticker. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, which we love that. That's a big part of what we believe. But if you read on, it says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. We love plans to prosper and a future and a hope. We love all that. But just as tied to that, it says we be a people who seek him and not only seek him, but seek him with all of our heart. It's putting him first and everything else is added. Then the scripture says, you, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity or that thing that has you held. Many of us, we escape last year and we go, oh, last year was crazy. I'm so glad I'm out of it. What is out of it? Out of it is out of that captivity of whatever. And then you start a new year. What did you miss in the previous year? You missed that seek and that pursuit of putting God first in everything, and you needed to be delivered from a captive again. Amen? A.W. Tozer says this great thing, a uh, great man of God and writer and author and just uh, current, or not current, but church just hero, uh, says this. He says, there is no manifestation of God to his people apart from earnest seeking. There will be no manifestation of God to his people apart from earnest seeking. We can't get God without seeking God. Somebody can't give you a track or a bumper sticker or a pat on the back and you get the manifestation of God. We must pursue God. Amen? That's why the scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. But the truth is about our life, we seek first the phone to check the messages We seek first the talk show to get the answer or find entertainment. We seek first social media or check our investments. We pay attention to all of our other things first. But the scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all those other victories will be added unto your life. Amen? 
I thought about it like this. If you say, God, why aren't you moving in my life? Why didn't you make a difference last year? Why didn't this? God says it like this in that scripture. I can't add to you until you seek me. Seek first the kingdom, and then he adds to our life. God can't add until we seek. Amen? Uh, I'll close with this. Uh, there's this guy in Scripture who is a king, King Uzziah, and the Scripture says about him that he did right in the eyes of the Lord. So literally, if you read in Second Chronicles, uh, you'll see that the Scripture says he did right in the eyes of the Lord. And so we pick up in Second uh, Chronicles 26.5. It says he sought God during the days of Zechariah. So he was someone who seeks after God. He was found right in the eyes of God, and he was also somebody who sought God. So he sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God, the reverence of God, the, the knowing of the power of God and, and who God is. He, he understood he had fear of God and, and his place in his life. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. As long as he was somebody who sought God first, God gave him success. But then the great temptation happens that happens to all of us. If you pick up here in verse 16, it says, but after Isaiah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord, his God. What happened is God blessed him. God cared for him. God took care of him as he sought God. He was equipped by God. But then after some time, he got prideful in his own strength, in his own ways, in his own successes and stopped seeking God. And it was the lack of seeking God. It was, the, it was the, the lack of seeking God that then caused his downfall. He said, I don't got to seek God. I don't have to go after it. I can handle all this. Look how powerful I am. And it led to his downfall. Amen. There is strength in weakness and there is weakness in strength. Scripture says that when we're weak, he's strong. And that's true. And we're depending on God and he can make us strong in our weakness. But if all you do is depend on your own strength, there's weakness in that. And in weakness, there is strength, but there is strength in weakness. So in, in, your, in your life, if you're depending on yourself, say it one more time for those of you writing down, there is strength in weakness, but there is weakness in strength. If you say, I got this, I can handle this, I don't need to pursue God, you're in a dangerous place. I thought about it like the scripture says, when we're weak, he is strong. You could say it like this. When we are weak with God, temptation is strong. But when we are strong with God, temptation is weak. The only way that you can live that way is by being somebody who seeks and pursues and strives for God first. It's everything we do. It's that it's the first thing we talked about. It's how we pursue him. It's how we look for him. It's how we have an aim at him every day we wake up. Amen. That's why Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. You got a God who's right there waiting to engage with you. Waiting. He gave you a whole book of promises. Everybody says, well, the Bible's so full of rules. Actually, the Bible has more promises in, its in your life, for your life, than it does any kind of rule. The reason there's things in the scripture that say don't is because they're hindrances to you. You're not a restricting parent if you say, hey, don't stick that knife in the light socket. It's gonna, that doesn't make you a restricting, hateful parent. That's what God is saying. Hey, don't do it that way. It's better if you do it this way. Amen. So you got a whole book full of promises of God saying, hey, seek me in these, pursue me in these. As you do these things, doors open to you. 
as we put him first. Amen.